Hello and welcome to The Schism. This podcast is all about critical thinking, dot connecting, the nature of reality, and trying to uncover the truth about the world we live in, society, who we are, and where we come from. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Schism. Joined today by my faithful co-host Adam. Back in the building. And today we're going to be talking about the new normal. Yes. Going to be carrying on our episodes on the pandemic. Plandemic. And the new normal was a phrase used in the UK. I'm not sure about the rest of the world, but at the beginning of the pandemic here, they were referring to everything as the new normal, the masks, the social distancing, the lockdowns, that was something that you kept hearing again and again and again. It was like something that they wanted us to get used to. And what you're doing now is something that maybe we might have to apply in the future. This is gonna be the new normal for you. Face masks, social distancing, weird shopping hours for old people to go out in the morning and get their milk between nine and 10. <laughs> These crazy <laughs> rules. The old normal, that's that's gone. Forget that. <laughs> Socialising as usual, going out to the pub, going to a club, gig, cinema, bowling alley. No, 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 that's the old normal. You don't see friends and family now. You keep six feet apart from everyone. Yeah, don't forget your mask every time you go to shop. Yeah, sanitise your hands everywhere you go. Mm. Oh, the skin's peeling off. Don't worry about that. Just, just keep sanitising. You know, until your hands are literally red, raw and bleeding. It's okay. And don't worry about the mask rash. That's just the new normal. You know, all those microfibers going back into your lungs, you know, slowly destroying your alveoli. Yeah. It's the new normal, that is. But what's funny about that is, like, it was everywhere. In the newspapers, every news broadcaster, TV presenter was saying it. It was as much a part of the language of the COVID era as as anything now. But when was the last time you heard someone say the new normal? That's kind of moved out of... Just gone. Conversation. It was as common as people saying socially distancing or quarantining or, oh, someone in my family's vulnerable or, oh, we're staying in our bubble. All this language of the pandemic, all this lingo that people picked up on. And the new normal was part of that. Oh, well, you know, it's the new normal. But it was quickly phased out. And, And I feel like it was phased out because it was too obvious like, hang on, the new normal, what? So this is, like, here to stay. Yeah. This is the norm now. Yeah. Like, this is not something that's passing. This is the new normal. I think that's what people were clocking. So it quickly got phased out. But I, I've, I've always found it fascinating that that was, like, yeah, you know, for the first six months or even year of the pandemic, that that was something that was being pushed in a, way, in a big way. <laughs> in a way, initially. Especially in the UK. Initially, it looks like a harmless phrase. And now it's, like, one of those things, the more someone thinks about it, the new normal. It's so well weathered. It's straight out of the, the pages new? of 1984. Yeah. This is the new normal now. Because it's like an oxymoron as well, right? Like yeah. the new normal. How can something be normal and, and new? Yeah, at the same time. It doesn't make sense. It's just normal, <laughs> but different. No. So not the normal. Well, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> Everyone's wearing masks and you have to not have any contact with other humans. It's basically normal. Just... Undated. Um, yeah. It's just new. You always were about two metres away from someone in the supermarket in a queue. I mean, you didn't really measure it, but you probably always were about two metres. <laughs> so, you know, this is just the new normal. You have to be two metres now. Well, that's a funny point, actually, because I made that point with someone. You really, you, you do kind of keep your distance to a certain degree. There's kind of these social norms where... When you're just talking to someone, it's not like you're nose to nose. Yeah. If someone invades your personal space, you kind of <laughs> step back. 
I take my dog for a walk in the park all the time and you're you're kind of standing about that length from each other anyway. You, you don't just you don't really get that close to people. Yeah. On on the whole, especially when you're out your house. You I feel the only time I think I'm really... Oh, it's kind of meaningless to have these rules in place. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so stupid. I mean, this is the whole new normal thing. I mean, if you think about it, the only time I've only ever socially distanced because I am the life and soul of the party is actually when... It's I official. Pop, it's probably been in a McDonald's and there's a real drunken, stinking guy of yeah, alcohol right, yeah. and, that, and he's behind me breathing over my shoulder. And that's probably the one time in my life I do socially distance. Oh, yeah, or there's a guy coming down the tube, like, any money, any change, please? And you're like, okay, I think I'm going to uh, move down the carriage a bit. <laughs> My stop's coming up just shortly and rather avoid this. These were probably the situations, like we were saying, that you might socially distance, but to have to apply it into... Even if you see someone coughing and spluttering and then you're just like, oh, God. The point is, we don't need these rules and regulations in place. It's, you know, it's something that we do anyway. And if there was a real deadly threat, you wouldn't need to be told. You would be more than keeping your distance. It would be like the movie Contagion. As well as socially distancing, people kept saying, I'm saying in my bubble, I'm in my bubble. Everyone loves saying this. Like, Yeah, that was a new phrase, our new normal, yeah. living in the bubbles. Yeah, right. Got to stay in your bubble. Oh, I'm I'm isolating. I'm I've only got a bubble. I'm in my too. bubble because it was like stay in your bubble. Like either just you isolating or you and your close friends and family. Don't don't go beyond that. What's funny about that is that when you go back and watch these David Icke talks in the past, when when he's talking about people being separated in bubbles of perception, it just reminds me of that. It's like they want people to stay in their bubbles and remain isolated and dividing and not conversing with others. Like that's that's the real reason. For yeah. It. And the point is, all this language was introduced that suddenly and everyone was using it like it was common tongue. I believe like from a psychological manipulation perspective that this is a way of getting people to fully buy into the whole agenda. They start using the language and the lingo. It's suddenly like they're a a fully fledged member of the COVID call. Yeah, you have to present it and in a way that... They get addicted, addicted to using the language. And it, and it becomes almost a repetition, doesn't it? They'll just do it themselves then. From yeah. Then after. Yeah. yeah like I was saying to you earlier, like, that, say the brand in a McDonald's, when you go into McDonald's, you don't just ask for a burger. It's like a Big Mac or yeah. a, a Muck McFlurry, McNuggets, where like, everything's branded. You're, you're even talking in the, the language of, of McDonald's. That's how heavy the, the branding is. And it's like the same with covid and the new normal which they obviously dropped because i believe it was too obvious that they were saying that this is the norm from now on and that was disconcerting for people so they were like quick let's stop stop saying that well you do that thing it sounds cult-like does doesn't it It sounds like a cult yeah the new normal this is how things are from now on and and, and it was getting a kickback because people like i don't want this to be the new normal yeah this is mental so oh quick let's stop using that it's almost like they're treating the population as like one giant focus group oh people haven't responded well to that oh yeah. let's stop yeah. saying the new normal now and and let's, let's throw this out there yeah, and see right, how they yeah. respond to that yeah but the new normal was spot on because this is not meant to end mm-hmm. and what they're trying to introduce now they want to slowly condition people to think this is the new normal they want people you know they wanted people to get used to furlough so that in time they can introduce the basic income wage in the credit score system. Mm. 
they want people to get used to where you can't go out and see friends and converse in the usual way. This is the new normal where it doesn't matter. We've got the metaverse now. We can stay at home. This is the new normal. Oh, winter's coming. Oh, yeah, lockdown's coming. Yeah. I mean, the same thing. It won't be like how many days till Christmas. It'll be like, how many days till lockdown? Oh, yeah, winter's coming soon, isn't it? Hibernation period. I mean, put it this way. If if we had five more winters of lockdowns, do you think on the fifth winter we would be surprised we were having a lockdown we wouldn't we'd be like oh it's normal now on the fifth day of lockdown they like change with the <laughs> the carols it did sound it just a bit Orwellian, a little bit too much for dystopian people. as fuck it, it it reminds me of like demolition man this is the new normal good call yeah you know and, and it's really it's just the same as the great reset or if you want to travel further back, the new world order. You know, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's just different branding for the same thing. But but language is like a great way to get people addicted to the new. So like when we talked to, to Neil Haig, he was saying that people become addicted to scanning in when they go to a shop or flashing their ID or wearing the mask. How many times have you heard people say, oh, well, I've got used to wearing it now. It's become a habit. habit yeah, it's yeah. become a comfort for them. Well, Almost you, like a security well, blanket. You, you may not really have to want to wear it, but it's always in your pocket. It's in the glove box in your car. You, yeah, it you, just you, becomes routine. And some people are like, oh, well, I like it. It gives me like a comfort. It makes me feel safer. They got used to wearing it, conditioned to wearing it. Exactly. And, I believe it's the same with the language. You know, people love using these catchphrase. Like another one was like key worker. Like my, my, my cousin Matt, who worked in Sainsbury's, he was a key worker. And, and he even carried around his certificate or whatever it was, you know, saying that he was a key worker. Yeah. <laughs> he was like proud of it, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm a key worker. I've got this letter from the government. Like it was a, like a badge of honour. And it, it sort of made him feel part of something. And I think using the, the lingo does that as well. You suddenly heard people talking like, well, you know, we've been staying in our bubble because, of course, mum's vulnerable and, you know, we've been good and we've been socially distancing. And you just think, bloody hell, you're you're just using all the language of it. You are a fully paid up member of this cult. Well, they always make you feel like if you're not using it, you'd be left out. It'd be like the mum's... uh, I know the lingo. I'm hip. I'm cool. (laughs) I'm with it. Dr. Evil, Austin Powers, in case anyone didn't pick up on that reference. But yeah, they it, did. They did, of course they did. Everyone loves Austin Powers. But it's like mums in a playground, you know, they were click, clipping their kids up from school. There's a group of them are all talking about one thing, all saying it in phrases. Now, if you're not that yeah, right, down yeah, with the lingo. lingo or talking about the in subject. Down or, with the sickness. That's it. So you're is, calling yourself vulnerable as well. That was a hot, like, hot new normal phrase. Yeah, like, well, yeah. you know, I am vulnerable. Or my mum, or my dad, or my dad's vulnerable. It's like, can you get more of a submissive, helpless fucking mind state than that? Yeah. Like, talk about, like, you're going to let anyone boss you around and tell you what to do. Like, well, I am vulnerable. I'd like, I've got asthma. In, in a way. I'm dyslexic. It puts people at such discomfort when you're addressing them as, we need to protect the most vulnerable. It doesn't make, like, fill you full of joy and strength. Anyone who's got any slight ailment will be like, oh, God, oh, God, vulnerable. Am I vulnerable? I mean, I've had a bad toe for a year. I mean, it's an ingrown toe now. It's not like serious, but <laughs> am I vulnerable? Could, could I mean, I be toes vulnerable? I mean, my toe's vulnerable. I mean, I've heard about these COVID toes. That was a thing for a while, by the way. COVID toes. I remember that. Did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah. As well as like long COVID, that was one that's like, oh yeah, it's not as bad, but you you know, it lasts for longer. And 
not to mention all these variants, the Delta, the Indian variant. I think like Prince changed its name to Delta Delta. after the Indian government was like, you have no proof that any virus comes from India. What the fuck are you doing? We changed it to Delta, you know. It's just nuts. It's crazy. Omicron. That's the new one. Transformers, COVID in disguise. Omicron. Like people don't want to be left out, so they want to be using the lingo. Well, I want to be in on this and using the right terms. I'll like, oh, yeah, bubble. I've heard him talk about that. And socially distancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly you kind of draw people in because they hear someone else saying it and then they want to be in on it. So they start using the language. They're, oh, they're seeing that other people are out clapping for the NHS, which we're get to in a bit and they're you know putting rainbows on their windows that a lot of people were doing during the pandemic so all these like social conditioning things that have been brought in for like many years like you remember when people on facebook were doing the ice bucket water challenge oh well now it's the same with the whole badge got my vax yeah and oh you've got to change your profile photo to fit with this and fit with that that was all social conditioning leading up to something like this that was the that was the purpose of all this stuff oh yeah oh we can see it now yeah well if i don't go along with this what will the neighbours think? If I don't wear a mask in the supermarket, people might look at me. What if someone asked me to put one on? Not thinking, well, I can say I'm exempt and legally they can't ask me why. And that could be the someone probably won't even ask me. I'll just go around and what does what, it matter? Well, well I might get some dirty looks. Well, who cares? Nine can t- you even tell if they've got a mask on? <laughs> so <laughs> Their nine, eyes. <laughs> nine times out of ten, you don't get stopped anyway. No. And so it's the fear that people... Have been that's been driven into them. It's the well, fear. that's the fear of stepping out of like the hassle-free zone. Like they don't want to. Well, what if someone asks me, or what if they do ask me, and there's other shoppers around and they're all looking at me? Well, that would be embarrassing. Or for some people, that'd be mortifying. Oh, that, that's oh, their worst nightmare. Oh, God forbid. You know, like, I wouldn't want my social status or my social class to be affected by me stepping out. Yeah, right. They don't even need the social credit score system. That's just in their mind already. Yeah. That would be their worst nightmare. So oh, I'll just go along with it because I'm so petrified of how other people might judge me or heaven forbid someone come up and ask me, I'd probably go bright red and yeah. it would be a, a complete embarrassment. How, how nervous wrecks, like nervous nellies we become can't we don't stand up for just even that yeah i like welcome someone asking me i'm like ask me bitch <laughs> and that's probably why they don't you know what i mean i strut in there they're sort of like he's not got a mask on but this guy looks like he's on a mission <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but it, like you said like nervous wimpish people men and women it's not, i mean I, it's I, not standing up too much is it i see I mean, more men wearing them than women i do yeah i see more men wearing them it's shocking and sometimes you know big big old tough guys and you know, so many people are going along with it out of A, compliance, and B, what will people think or what if there's any kind of confrontation here? Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me of a yeah. bit in Fight Club where one of Tyler Durden's first assignments for, for his crew is like, right, I want you to go out, start a fight and lose. Yeah. yeah I mean, and they have to go out and start, start a fight. Start a guy and they, they take one guy, it takes forever. He keeps hitting him and he won't fight back. Yeah. And he's like, come on, hit me, hit me. And there's a guy who's like working a job where he's like hosing stuff down and he starts spraying someone with a hose. Was, yeah. They actually find out, actually, it's very hard to start a fight. You know, people, they might get angry. They, they don't really want to start throwing fists. They, they avoid, they, they learn from that. Yeah. That they learn Not if you went to a rough neighbourhood or of something. Of course, but... No. But they just, like, they just people in general, general they learned that 
nine times out of ten, people avoid that sort of yeah. confrontation. And if you do get into a fight with them, their assignment was to lose. And that was hard too. But it works both ways. Because what you learn when you start not wearing a mask and not really giving a shit about the rules, not everywhere in the world. I know some places are a lot more harsher, hard, you know, hardcore than the UK. Yeah. But in the UK, the, the experience I've had is that actually the security guard or the person that's supposed to be checking out the works there or whatever, they also don't want to step out of the hassle-free zone. Yeah. They also don't want to go up to you and say, excuse me, sir, um, uh, have you uh, got a mask or whatever? It, so they just ignore it and pretend they well, don't you, see well, it. You know what they think? So it's like a double-edged well, sword. Well, it's like, God forbid I go over there and say something, and he's like... I'm exempt. Or, or even that like you put the little voice box to your mouth, and you're like, oh, my God, he's actually got a breathing apparatus. I oh. can't breathe with one of them damn things on. Why do you think this sort of thing for my throat is? Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. But it's true. Security card doesn't want to... I mean, that's one thing that could happen. Yes. <laughs> well, you could be Ned from South Park. I don't, I don't know. It's as embarrassing for them as it is for you. So they just pretend they haven't seen it. Then they're not going to go up to you. They're, they're not going to make a scene. It's like everyone's got this make-believe thing in their head that what if I wear one and someone comes up to me? But no one's going to do that. Right. And if they do, well, so, so, what? so what? That being your reason to go along with this whole madness is madness in itself. And also, when you start not doing it, you realise it's consequence-free. For the most part, yeah. nothing happens. And a few times it has happened to me. A few times I've gone into a shop and I said, I haven't got a mask or whatever my excuse was, I'm exempt and they've moved me on. Or sometimes they've been like, no. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I've gone to the shop around the corner. Or I've been in a cab before and the guy's caused the scene. Oh, no, 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 you can't be in this cab. You have to get out. You need to wear a mask. I said, I don't have one. And he said, oh, no, no, no. And then he ended up saying, well, one, why the windows in the back and don't speak? <laughs> I'd still be breathing through my nose. I'm not going to... Did he say, don't speak or stop breathing? Don't breathe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, as if I want to speak to you again after this, <laughs> really, just put my headphones in and was like, yeah, cool. Whatever. I was in another cab once and the guy just went crazy. We were talking as usual, didn't have a mask on. And then he said after a while, oh, could you put your mask on? Do you mind? I said, oh, I'm, I'm exempt. And he went, whoa, 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 whoa. Sir, you need to get out. So no. after all that, it's funny, like you sit in a car, you'd converse. This was the second ride, yeah. yeah. you'd converse with someone to the point he's going, well, time to put your mask on. And then it just, whoom, the whole dynamic changed. Suddenly I was a threat. So stupid. And he said, no, no, you have to get out, you have to get out. I kept in the cab, because I was trying to, like, talk him round, basically. And then I was like, well, are you vaccinated? And he was like, I... I've had the double jab. And I said, well, it's fine then. It's fine. He said, no, 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 no. It's a risk. I, I could catch it. I could catch it. Nonsense. And I was like, you've been, so you've been double jabbed from this thing. Like, imagine like when you went to Thailand or something and you got the jabs. Imagine being out there and acting like that. Like, I can still get it even though I've been double jabbed. Like, it's just wild. This guy would call such a scene. I ended up being like, honestly, just stop the cab at the next turning and I'll just get out. And he did exactly that, and I got out. I ended up walking the rest of the way. Not much of a big deal, but they're the they're the only few times that I've sort of come up against that. And each time I just held my ground, and it was like, okay, fair enough. I mean, there's nothing to they're gain. Hardly consequences. Nothing to gain to lose. I mean, the masks in general. 
I mean, the fact is that we've been giving people these little surgical masks. They don't, they don't have air filters. If you look at countries around the world where they actually do have really bad air pollution, they wear actually much better masks. You've seen that like, the cyclists in like, oh, yeah. Athens and China. Yeah, they've got they air filters. Air filters. But they're not walking around in these crappy little blue masks. Like I said before in previous episode, that you seem strung around everywhere now. There's probably one outside your front door now on the pavement. I see them everywhere. You know, they're, they're the and biggest... you think if this was really deadly, would people be chucking these things all around the place? And why wouldn't there be bio bins for them and places to dispose of these things? I've, I've even seen photos of um, bins in hospitals where these things are piled high like a mountain out of the bin. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I've seen also footage of where these things get made. And it's in like an Indian-looking sweatshop where they're just like bunging them on the floor. I mean, this is mental. Doctors wear them, but... Because that's the thing, people's minds might be like, I've seen doctors and nurses wearing them. I've watched the ER, they're wearing them there. Yeah, okay, they're wearing them in the operating theatre. That's to stop blood spurting out from a wound and going in their mouth or from spittle from their mouth going into an open wound. They're not wearing it because there's an infectious disease. If there is any kind of infectious disease, they're wearing hazmat suits. And they're not over... Like just a person on a trolley, they're in a yeah. fully protected room with, you know, the whole nine yards when it right. comes to equipment. If this is supposed to come from a Wuhan bio lab. Okay, let's bring up some pictures of a Wuhan bio lab. Yeah. And all the people there are going to be dressed up like Homer Simpson when he's in Sector Seven G. <laughs> they're going to have the full like yeah bio suit on, like the hazmat suit. Exactly. Yeah. With the gloves and they everything. Are, they are pretty cool suits, the hazmat ones. I yeah. wouldn't mind actually. They're not them. wearing like little paper blue masks. Like they don't do anything. It says on the packet of the mask, like does not prevent the transmission of like, spreading or, or whatever you know. infectious diseases. Yeah. yeah. So it says it on there. He says it on the box of the mask. And yet people still go out. No, they do work. Well, it says on the box that they don't. So it's just mad that people still would go out. Lucky that's not the case of condoms. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs) It said on the box that, oh no, it said they didn't work. Oh, shit. Why did I put one on then? (laughs) Because that's the point as well. Like the masks, they're not just useless. They actually do damage as well. Yeah. So you're breathing in carbon dioxide and your own filth, and your mouth has more germs than your bum hole. It does. Sorry to be crude, but it, it does. Know. Yeah. So if you keep wearing the same one, let's face it, most people do. They'll be like, oh, yeah, car keys. Oh, shit. Yeah, the mask. Oh, it was the same side. dusty one. You know, like, people stringently, like, oh, no, I'll get a new one every time. Like doctors and nurses are, by the way. Because to go back to that, if you see them, in ER wearing these masks oh, or whatever. As soon as they're finished, boom, they never wear the same yeah, one again. It all comes off, it will go, doesn't even leave the room. So people, what? They're really going out box fresh every time, are they, with a the mask? Yeah, right. Come on. <laughs> like, if, if you're using the same one over and over again, you could be breathing, well, you will be breathing in fibres from the mask, and over time you'll be breathing in small amounts of mould, which yeah. is deadly. Nasty, mate. Or large amounts of mould for some people. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a bit of blue cheese. 
Oh, do you imagine the state of some people's masks, actually? I bet there's someone that's had the same one for, like, the whole pandemic, the same blue mask. If I wish people like that. trusty mask. It's lucky now. This one's got a three-course meal in it. <laughs> I've got breakfast still stuck on the inside for the last three weeks. They're so thin as well. Like, they're so, like, you pull one apart. Well, it's like That's really going to protect you. It's the fibres, isn't it? They're, they're made of, like, cotton fibres. Yeah. I mean, you could... Pull the threads with your fingertips and they just, the hairs fall off of them. I don't know if you should be even having that over your face. No, man. And they're, and they're the ones that most people are wearing. Yes. I know other people are like, well, I wear a cotton one or whatever. It's like, okay, well. well I'll give you more credit for, if you two, if you were wearing one of those that you went the whole, all out. And with the air filters and all the rest of it. Yeah, okay, yeah. But even then you've got to change them all the time and they're not 100% effective against like, anything. You, know, you want to be wearing a gas mask if you're like. I mean, I, I'd still call you a tea zombie but at least you are well prepared with Tico zombie but wearing a mask of any kind whether it's a like fancy one or cotton one you, you know you are starving your brain of oxygen yes so when we're giving these to kids that by the way need more oxygen to their brains than adults how's that going to affect their learning let alone their interaction and their communication skills and all the rest of it because you 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 need the visual cues of seeing people's faces i mean that's so important these kids are being like you know stripped of their identities and their young minds are being not only starved of oxygen but what's this doing to their psyche wearing these things it's what and and being isolated and apart from their friends it's when they start very young that's the first thing they know is they have friends by face, isn't it? And you know your parents. Not by anymore. By face. <laughs> but it's true. You know, they know them by the mask. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's the one with the teenage mutant variant mask. He's, the, he's my brother because he wears that mask. But no, you know, covering children's faces and they can't see their friends in school. I can only imagine the sort of damage that's doing because they can't see them smiling when they tell a joke or when they do something playful. It, they get uh, almost a, a faceless response. From being in school now. Yeah, and and especially like very young children, they need these facial cues more than anything because they don't understand language in the same way. Exactly. So so this is like integral for their learning. So if you're putting a mask on a young kid, this is is just crazy. Brain damage ever since the day they was born. Drugs, you said what they say they was on, more like masks. (laughs) So as well as all that, what is it doing to your psyche? Like... Masks are a symbol of submission and subjugation. Slaves have worn masks throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. Gimps wear masks. Hey, I've never worn a mask in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and what are gimps? Slaves. slaves. Sex slaves. It's a symbol of being silenced and, you know, it does stop you from communicating, literally. I can't <laughs> hear people. When they've got these fucking masks on and they're trying to talk to me. Muffles. It's like... You you just go, yeah, yeah, you can't really understand people. Well, you know the worst part about that is that then destroys communication. And then you just think, oh, I won't even bother talking to them. Fucking mask. You know what that does then? then? It breaks down social cues because if someone gets something wrong, you can't be bothered to correct someone about it. You're certainly not going to be talking to strangers as much. When I appear at a checkout and I don't have a mask on, I actually have seen the cashier's face light up when I go, hey, you're right, and start talking to them because they're probably like, oh, God, I haven't really spoke to anyone all day. Mm -hmm. So I even broke down like that kind of basic communication because this person's got a mask on and they're just kind of offline. You know what I mean? That's what it feels like. Like, 
And I'm sure that's why a lot of people like wearing them, because they're like, I've got a mask on, no one's going to bother me. People might not even know it's me, they're not going to say hi. It gives them a kind of anonymous feel where they can just put it on, get from A to B, keep their head down. But it's like this China regime, like they're getting addicted to it already through this. It's like a slow like conditioning into the, seeing this enslaving regime as more of a like, security blanket. What did Huxley say? Like they, they love their servitude. It's been used in sort of lots of parts of culture in the world. I know we were saying previously in MK Ultra, but looking, yeah, look at us yeah, talking yeah. with Richard about Michael Jackson's children constantly being masked up yeah. and gagged. And Michael himself. And Michael yeah. himself. You know. Oh, yeah, this has been like big in MK Ultra. Kathy Bryan has talked about this. She was in the MK Ultra program, and her daughter Kelly was forced to wear a mask from like a, a young age. Look at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba, where they were holding all the suspected terrorists after 9-11 they were wearing masks they were all six feet apart kept in isolation yeah, yeah. they would bring them out of isolation and suddenly feed them and tell them they were going to set them free and then boom put them back in again what are they doing to us Same. they keep an easing the restrictions letting everyone think it's going to go back to normal bam put you into lockdown again this is part of a cycle to emotionally and mentally and spiritually break people down to nothing so you can just mold them and 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 they do it not just by like pounding someone over and over again no, it's like kind the, of, the hammer you give them the hope yeah the hammer doesn't always work yeah, yeah you give them the hope just as they were getting adjusted and then whoom you put them back into it again because as you like humans are so we're so adaptable we will get used to anything. That's that's why the, you you kind of need to bring people out of one state just to put them back in again. Because it's stripping you of... Layer by layer. Yeah. Layer by layer. It's stripping you mentally down. Yeah, being, psychologically dismantling you, you and breaking your spirit. That's that's what it is, really. They're trying to break the, the human yeah. spirit. Yeah. And they have to do it in these cycles, piece by piece. You know, they if, if they tried to do it all at once, it would get met with too much resistance. And it has to has to be this kind of long, drawn-out process. And it's really a race between them completing that ultimate cycle and people waking up to, to what is what is happening. Yeah. But as well as that, you know, it takes your identity away. People literally not recognising their own fa- friends or family when they're walking down the street. That has happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It takes away community. It programmes people to stay at home, order everything offline, you know, from the big corporations not go out because without the social aspect like what's the point it's like that old boy we were talking about earlier like i only came here for the smiles like if that's taken away Mm. well you might as well just order it offline yeah you know you're not going there like going out seeing people like having a chat to the person at the checkout having that more hands-on approach if everything's like this walk one way around the supermarket wear a mask don't talk to anyone why even go out well it puts it's just like a living hell you're like do you know what i think i'll order it online (laughs) well that's what they set you up for of course it is we're gonna make going out so unpleasant that you're just gonna want to do everything online well who wants to be treated like that who wants to i'm I'm feel like they're everywhere they go they're at a frigging airport and they have to do everything they're told and i've seen it around my local area already with people abiding into the rules of starting wearing the masks again and yeah, right. I don't think after not wearing them and as well and you're thinking well, I, I, I wasn't wearing one last week but now Omicron's out I've got it back on again 
if you look at what we were talking about, Boris and his party, if there's nothing really to be worried about in terms of COVID wasn't that dangerous because they had a party. So there wasn't even a vaccine so, then. So there wasn't even a vaccine then. So they obviously didn't see it as any kind of a threat. And the rules that they put on other people, they didn't disobey them to be naughty or to no. be rule breakers. Because if their health was at stake, why would they do that? Why would anyone do that? Exactly. The truth is they didn't see it as a threat. They didn't buy into the scaremongering because they were part of pushing the scaremongering exactly. onto the population. They didn't really believe it was any more of a threat than flu. Yeah. To them, it just is the flu. But yeah, we're back here it again. Is the flu. You know, say so we're back here again. You know, only a year later, it's not COVID nineteen. It's Omicron. Omicron. He's, he's telling you now that you've got to start wearing the masks again, like what we are talking about now. Like because little gimps, put them back on. So, Bring out the gimp. Is so, that what he says in yeah, pop fiction? Yeah, bring out the gimp. <laughs> bring out the COVID mask. So, you, I mean, are you going to start wearing the mask is my question to our audience. It's like Simon Says, isn't it? Like, sit down, stand up, shut up. It's just madness. So it's actually an extract from David Grossman in his book On Killing. It's about the psychological cost of learning to kill in war. It's from 1995. And the psychology of masks... During operative conditioning to train soldiers, they they learn that if an enemy combatant looks different from the soldier, it's 40% easier for the soldier not to feel things like empathy and compassion and fear. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. If the combatant has a face covering, it's 60% on average more difficult to connect with a person. So the first one is just if they look different, as in, I'm like, yeah. is there a different nationality it's, or something? It's, it's like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, with a face covering, it goes up to 60%. This has got nothing to do with killing training. It's just the way that human brains work. So like over a long period of time... It's like a, famili- a familiarity thing, like yeah. we know them. Yeah, like one, one to five years. Like it, it would make you alter your way of viewing other people in, in even a biological sense. Okay. And like mask depersonalise and reduce human contact in the psyche. Like they, they create a, a dehumanising barrier and they've got, they have a deep psychological effect, particularly on young people. And if you look at the pandemic, and I've seen a lot of memes where it's shown, you know, people at high-class dinner parties and people at football matches and all, all kinds of stuff. And then they're showing pictures of children saying, look, we're doing this whilst our children are being subjected to this. Yeah. And when you look at what some of the kids have been going through, they've been isolated, all six feet apart, with the masks on. Separate so, bubbles in the playground. Yeah, yeah, they've actually had it worse than anyone else. Maybe joint first with, like, the old people. So like, look at the people that we can't, that this is actually aimed at destroying the most. The very young and the very old. But for, but for different reasons. The old, they want to just get rid of. The young, it's they a want to... for the future. future. Condition. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like Huxley's Brave New World. They, they want to socially condition these kids. Like, how is a kid that is uh, standing six feet apart with a mask on, not talking to anyone, self-isolating, how are they going to fight well, yeah, for freedom in well, yeah, the future? They're going to be nervous. They're going to be a whip. They're going to be nervous. I mean, look at Winston. That's an understatement. I mean, they're going to be like, a compliant slave. Well, Winston Smith was nervous just about writing the diary in 1904. Yeah, right, exactly. He, he was just about writing a book. Notes. No one was watching him, like, 24-7. I mean, I know they've got the, the TVs in their rooms, but 
they've been subjected to so much psychological abuse within the contents of 1984 that the people in that were just like that now. They he was very nervous much, for even uh, keeping them. someone's eyesight for too long. Yeah, these people now were reduced... Or speaking out of turn in any way. Yeah, they were the, just shells of human beings they once yeah. were. Well, they... David Grossman in in this book goes on to say, my son's generation, if we continue to use face face coverings, will be 50% more prone to violence, 50% less empathetic, and it would dehumanise their peers by 50%. Over time, and this is, they, they would like to continue this over time, it's already been two years, there's kids out there that this has already been a substantial part of their existence, it's already the norm for them. Yeah. the new normal and they were calling it the new normal because this is how they want things to be from now on this is not something they've come up with in a second they scrutinize what the catch calls and the lingo is more than anyone could ever imagine mm. you know I've, i worked in advertising and i know how much you do this just for branding of like a fizzy drink or something they're like running this thing by like focus groups. Little think tanks where they, I mean, they, they, we know they do that because yeah. they've done it with Agenda 201. <clears throat> they, they, they took an operation to put some things together, a little document, run a simulation, see how it works out. If they really want to know how it works, then they put it out to people direct, you know, get people in. Do people respond to this? Do people respond to that? You know, in terms of social distancing, vulnerable bubbles, all the new normal sort of terms that we've been familiar with. If you look at the future of new normal and masks, every time we get a winter now, I'd expect masks to come out. The thing is, in the winter as well, people would just be like, well, it sort of keeps your face warm. It's like the habit of it. Like they get used to, oh, well, you know, I wear one and it keeps your face warm. Like not really thinking about the health implications of wearing, wearing one. one of these mm-hmm. things, let alone the social implications and also the more that everyone is complying with every part of this even the masks which are so trivial in the scheme of things oh they're right at the bottom yeah yeah but it's still complying with this and it's still like the masks also work as like such a great visual cue to remind every person that something's going on we're in a pandemic yeah like reinforces it let's face it if dickheads weren't walking about wearing masks everywhere not really much would have changed. Like, there's not people dying in the streets. Bring out your head. Like, that's not happening. There's not, as Boris put it, bodies in the streets. So you need the masks. It's like a visual cue of you step out your door and, oh, yeah, 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 the pandemic. Look, everyone's wearing masks. So it's like this, this sort of visual thing to constantly remind people to be afraid. Yeah. And... Everywhere you look, there's like posters, billboards, there's stickers on the floor, like telling, reminding you to wash your hands and wear a mask. There's signs everywhere, as well as the mask. And that's to keep reminding you, oh, there's this thing, it's really happening, it's really real, well, it, it's really deadly. It's, but without they, all these things, be just the same. You wouldn't know any different. Well, they never took away like the hand sanitizer bottles. They've never, in the no. whole time, they've just stayed outside in the shop still. And to remind her yeah. that this is still going on. But without all that, like we discussed in the earlier episodes, within the first year, no one, no more people really died. Nothing had really changed. Obviously, our lives had changed a lot because, like we talked about, we were under lockdown. We had all these restrictions placed on us. But really, it was only these visual cues of the masks and the signage and 
the, the 24-7 media coverage that was really reminding us that this was happening 24-7 because if none of that was there, oh. life would have just been as normal. People used masks as like a temperature gauge as well of where we are in the whole pandemic. Like, how many times have you heard people say, well, I think things are getting better because uh, less and less people wearing the masks. Or they say, oh, I went out today and a lot of people wearing the masks again. Someone's like, how's the weather? Oh, 80% masks today. Like, it's, it's a bizarre way of someone determining whether it's safe or not if there's a pandemic. Or whether we're out or not. Yeah. Or one yeah. day I might wear it, or next day um, I might not need it. What's changing them days? Oh, and, um, and my friend's not wearing it now, so because he thinks it's okay. Well, I guess it's not raining. So it's I, not raining. Omicron now, people haven't got their masks on. I wish I'd taken an umbrella out. But <laughs> and when it changes, like recently, there has been a shift, and suddenly a lot of people wearing them again. And that's because the government have announced, oh, there's this new Omicron variant and soon you're going to have to start wearing all masks again. And then suddenly you're going out and you're like, bloody hell, like everyone's wearing them. The the government says, right, you've got to wear masks and you just put them on straight away. You weren't wearing them a week ago, but now suddenly you've got it back on. Well, wearing and them what, too. if they told you tomorrow, take it off again, sit down, stand up, you'll, you'll just do it. Well, you're not even, we weren't wearing these two years ago. The fact that we get into some sort of habit now of doing it is bizarre. Well, masks are a symbol of submission that have been used throughout history in slavery over thousands of years. And the, and the same way that you, you've seen a lot of people taking the knee during this time. Oh, yeah. To do with like BLM and the football matches and things like that. Well, I've never understood that. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the symbol for black rights is holding a clenched fist in the air. When I think of black rights and the black civil rights movement, that's what I think of, not people taking the knee. I mean, what, 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 what is this? like? Yeah, I, th- I think of the front cover of the Rage Against the Machine album and said, how it been the black spray paint on the wall yeah, right. had been a spray paint of a guy kneeling on the wall? How many it wouldn't have the same it, effect. How many photos have you seen of like Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X and they've got the, the fist clenched versus how many pictures you've seen of them like, oh, on one knee? Yeah, like it just was... doesn't make any sense. And like holding your fist in the air is like quite an empowering sort of thing to do. Like I wouldn't mind doing that. It's like, you know, a symbol of like, you know, black power and solidarity, standing with your black brothers and sisters. But taking the knee is like, that's got a whole other connotation to it. Like you take your knee, you, you take the knee to pray and to worship. Mm-hmm. So what, you're worshipping something? Yeah, that's that's true. You get on one knee to like propose to your wife, but what are you doing there? You're surrendering surrendering yourself mm-hmm. to someone so, holy and saying, I, I am yours. Right? It's not the same as putting a fist in the air. You know, in a similar sense, like masks are a symbol. It's, there's no coincidence that these two things have, have been happening during the same time. They run perfectly together, if anything. Yeah. I mean, look at the movie 300 when the Persian king says, like, get on your knees. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this will all be over. What's the reply? <laughs> you don't know us very well. You know, he just flat out refuses. That's the brilliant bit, actually, where he, said, where, where he asked one of the soldiers, like, a soldier, what's your profession? He tells him, I'm, I'm whatever, a carpenter mm-hmm. or something. And then he says to his soldiers, what's your profession? And they go, oh, oh, oh. And it's like, who's got more soldiers? You know what I mean? You or me? Because your guys, they're just, they're just peasants with weapons. My, my guys are, are real soldiers. That's, that's all they are. Powerful stuff. But yeah, he, he wouldn't take the knee. Same as, as Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. Yeah. 
could have ended it all, couldn't he? Yeah. They were like, just take the knee, John. Even as a viewer, you were just thinking, yeah, yeah. John, just take the knee. Yeah, mate. I must Please. Admit, John, just do us all a favour. You're going to save a lot of carnage and yeah. a lot of slaughter. But no, he stuck to his principles. And everyone there, even though they were like, what a pain in the ass," they knew, yeah, but that's just John. He, he's just that guy. He's like, he's not going to go back on his word. No. In fact, I wonder if Kit Harrington's had the vax. Could you, could you see him alongside <laughs> us on a march? He could do the accent while we walked. Yeah, no, it's so long. But people all die, but we all move on for this. I was like, keep doing it, kid. Just keep doing the voice, kid. It's great. It's really getting me fired up. But yeah, like, people say, well, you know, it's not a big deal. Well, it clearly is, isn't it? You know, the two examples yeah. I've just given. Oh, yeah. These are like life and death. And people are like, I'll never take the knee. Because I know what that symbolises. So, just like the mask... This is something that's been running just alongside of it, and it's not—it's not the same as putting a fist in the air, and it's not—and and, and, and why? And why should you be putting a fist in the air or doing a Z-pile or taking the knee or doing anything, anything at a sports match? I'm just saying the fist in the air would be would be better than taking the bloody knee. But why should we be doing any of this nonsense? No, just fucking stand there and sing the national anthem. Or scrap even that. Just fucking get out there and kick a ball of air around the field. Yeah, like you're paid millions of pounds to do. It'd be, Thank it'd be, you. It'd be a lot simpler. It's quite obvious that the whole mass charade, like you said, is nothing to do with the hell. It's just to do with all the other things they can get out of it. Like yeah. Like you said, it's, it's it obviously causing ill health, but the submission, I mean, look how it's affected society. You mentioned a thing with crime, because now everyone can walk into a shop with a mask on, well, which is makes. great, which is great for a seventy-year-old Pakistani corner shop owner at eleven o'clock yeah, right, yeah. when a gang of youths come into his corner shop. I mean, that's really convenient for him, isn't it? It doesn't just make people suspicious of the virus, does it? Because people look menacing with these things on, and young people love to wear them because they like the anonymous feel to the whole thing. Oh, I can wear one of these, or my whole gang it, can wear. It's it. like a disguise. Yeah, you know. so. You can go part of your gear. I mean, young people like to dress up in outfits, look good, wear matching stuff. I mean, exactly, yeah. They can wear designers it, it, ones instead of wearing to clothes. look cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, plus it hides their identity. Because people are just like walking around with these things like they're normal. Like there's there's loads of dog thefts around where I live. Every time I take the dog out now, I'm like always looking over my shoulder. It's terrible. You take a dog out, you don't want to be paranoid about this. But everyone, not everyone. Actually, a lot of people down the park don't don't wear them. But if you see people with masks on, you're thinking, well, could they snatch my dog? Because I can't see their face. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it makes you suspicious of people. And that's all, that's all part of it. Same with child snatching. Mm. I mean, child snatching is a real epidemic. And it, like, it never gets talked about. Well, but millions of kids go missing... And there's no explanation for it. They've busted massive child trafficking rings. We see what happens with the Maxwell case, but that's what that's all about. Mm. And yet again, never gets talked about. And imagine the child snatching with like, oh, now people can just wear a mask. The kids have got a mask on. I don't, don't even need to put your hand around their mouth now. I think it carries uh, almost a bit of protection for wannabe pedos down the park that the fact that they can wear a mask it doesn't look suspicious they can hide their identity I mean they could be a known pedophile down the park and they can hide <laughs> their identity for Christ's sake I like so, the way you're sort of 
dividing them up like known paedophiles and there's like wannabe paedophiles they're on the run down yeah. just a wannabe paedophile yeah, you, you, not. you haven't got the four hard drives full of 2000 files you're not quite out there with me yet mate but no my point is <laughs> you're just a wannabe the point is that these if you want to be my Peter, oh. you gotta get with my friends Saddle Harris. <laughs> Saddle Harris Cosby. Let's the fun will never end. Fun little fact for everyone was a child in America is 66,667 times more likely to be sold to human traffickers than die of COVID-19. Ooh. In addition, masks assist them being transported, undetected <laughs> and unidentified to anyone. Now we've got to talk about the the PCR test what? because we because <laughs> we brought it up like so much and we keep saying oh yeah we're going to talk about it we're going to talk about it and we haven't really talked about it because it's kind of boring <laughs> it is now I mean the fact that we've it's been, been used for such a long time and so early on the lid was sort of blown like oh this test is totally inaccurate and the inventor Kerry Mullis if he was alive today he would have agreed with that because he went on record to say that the PCR test should never be used to diagnose any kind of infectious agent or disease. And he's the inventor of the test. So, so this test had been around for absolutely years. This is not yeah, right. a new test. This is not something that was discovered just before the pandemic. Oh, we found a real cool way of detecting for COVID. It's called the PCR test. This thing had well, been most around. People, if, you, if you ask them, they, if you said, what's the test? They say, well, a test for COVID-19. You're like, well, how when the, the test has been around for a lot longer than COVID-19 was dreamt up? Kerry Mullis was saying that it shouldn't be used to diagnose an infectious disease back in the 80s when they were trying to manipulate the PCR test to get oh, the HIV and the HIV AIDS. And yeah. AIDS cases. So the test has been around for a lot longer. <laughs> you know, it's not a test for COVID-19. It picks up genetic material that they say is linked to COVID-19, which in itself has never been isolated or purified. And when we talk about the postulates like we have, you know, proven to exist. Yeah. yeah it's a test that picks up genetic material and debris. And in Mullis's words, turns lots of nothings into somethings. PCR tests would actually detect something, old debris, old cold material for something yeah. you had in your body from about three to four years ago. Not, not COVID you picked up last week, a cold that you might have had years ago. 25% of common colds are coronaviruses. So, and they said... Yeah, the test just picked it up. Well, test. it doesn't specifically test for what they're calling COVID-19. It does not. Yeah, and it, and it runs off amplification. So like cycles, and the more amps you have, the more false positives you're going to get. Yep. So again, in Kerry Mullis's words, this is the inventor of the test, and you can look him up on Google. There's lots of stuff on Kerry Mullis. And in Mullis's words, he said, if you run the amps high enough, a stone would test positive for what you wanted. So all they've got to do to manipulate the stats is change the runs of amplification, which they've done throughout the pandemic. Yeah. And that's even been out there in the open press where they've said, oh, now we're telling, uh, the WHO is telling 
the NHS or yeah, this isn't whoever to run it at this amplification this is, because this, of this reason. This is information that's not hidden. You know, this we know this. This this yeah. is this is what they were doing with the test. I mean, and Fauci went on record to say, oh, anything um about like twenty, twenty five to thirty. Yeah. There was, was like a certain amount that yeah, it was like forty or something or less and he said it would be useless and then it turned out that the NHS had been running it at forty five, some places fifty amplifications. So on one hand, you've got Fauci saying, oh, anything above this. And then you've got the inventor saying, you turn the amplification high enough, a stone will test positive. Well, how much more proof do you want that this is inaccurate? Well, it's tested for COVID-19. No, it's not. Well, look at the Cristiano Ronaldo with the... The PCR is bullshit. Because he took the PCR test that said he had COVID and he felt completely fine and then he took another one and then they said he didn't and then he was like what? yeah it's like Russian roulette roulette and he said well hang on one says I'm positive one says, one says I'm not but yeah I in my own self to forget what the test is telling you people how do you feel there was a woman that got caught that was um, she was like a driver and she had to put in all the COVID tests for all her drivers on her fleet oh yeah and yeah. She forgot to do it, so she'd just done them all herself. And five come back positive and five come back negative. And for a lot of these tests as well, where, oh, we need a lot at once, they're bunging them all in the same bag. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. And if you've seen footage of these sort of facilities, you, like, oh. think in, in your mind, oh, it's going to some, like, doctor's super, surgery. Super sterilised and everything. No, they just... It's going to somewhere that looks like an Amazon warehouse factory. It's people like, out of a truck and someone just picked yeah. up positive, negative. Yeah, chuck it in the bin, would you, lad? Negative. Yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. So with this highly inaccurate test, and don't take my word for it, the inventor said this, mm -hmm. literally, like if people are disagreeing with this point of view, they disagree with the inventor of the test. Just go look what some of his past papers have said about it. And, and actually, for the record, look what he, Mr. Mullis, well, Dr. Mullis, should I say, has actually had to say about Dr. Fauci. Oh, yeah. Because he's called Fauci an out-and-out -out crook yeah. that knows nothing about medicine, medicine and will yeah. say anything for a buck. Yeah. And this is coming from the guy who invented the test that Fauci is exploiting. Yeah. So with this technique, they can make it go up or down, however they like, using the amplifications. And they can produce these cycles and make it appear like there's been less cases or more with different strains and so on. It's a case-demic or a ping-demic, as people have been calling yeah. it, because of these fake pings, these fake positives, that these tests are notorious for they're not they're being misused I mean this is not what the tests are for they're for, for they're for picking up genetic debris not testing for an infectious agent and disease and that is from the inventor's mouth in fact if you look at the bitter irony of the PCR test and the whole thing's built off the test if you look at someone who feels a little bit unwell but say they're a vulnerable person an actual vulnerable person and they feel a bit unwell but they've pinged positive on the PCR test now that obviously hasn't pinged to say they've got COVID, it's just pinged positive. Now, let's say that vulnerable person now goes to hospital thinking they've got an infectious disease. They've got the vid! Gets stuck on a ventilator. I'm on the vent! And it's thing, you know, they've developed pneumonia because they shouldn't really be on a ventilator because they're not actually sick with COVID. And then they're really bloody ill and then they die. And this is all because of the PCR test. In fact, the funny thing is, they didn't have a respiratory illness until they went to hospital, was stuck <laughs> on a bed, stuck on a bed, sorry, and, and ended up with one. So, I'm laughing at the irony, not the... Look, 
but it's true. You know, it's the bitter irony how even the PCR PCR test even plays into that, helps them to get in, them into hospital. Oh, it's Actually, so messed up. It's it's disgusting, if anything, man. Rotten. On on the subject of hospitals, I wanted to talk about the clapping of the NHS. It was a, this was a thing in Britain. I, I saw it in many places oh, over the world. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like hospitals. Every Thursday, was it? What, what was the day we had to go out and clap? I can't I think, I think it was a Thursday. I mean, I want to say hospitals do great jobs in terms of surgeries and looking after people, but the way they've been manipulated through this, especially in a way of the giving them a clap. It was so see-through. Oh, it was just... It was like early, quite early on when they were sort of saying to us, the hospitals are war zones, doctors and nurses are on the front line. It was this whole spirit of the Blitz thing that we were talking about. Like, we're at war in the war zones, front line. Everything was war talk, even the Nightingale Hospital that we talked about. And... Yeah, everyone was going outside their house and, and clapping religiously. It, again, so cultish, so strange. And you've got to remember that during this time as well, like there was like a lot of social pressure to do this because it was on the news yeah. constantly. You didn't want to be seen the one not coming out of your house. Yeah, it wouldn't just be the news. Like We don't watch mainstream TV, but I can imagine like Ant and Deck, like two British TV presenters would have been saying, oh, I bet you'll be out later clapping and be on adverts. And it's just boom, 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 boom. See you at six o'clock. Yeah, so when I was saying to my mum's, for example, she was like, oh, we better go out and do it. Otherwise, you know, the neighbours will see that we're not clapping. And, and I thought, don't be stupid. But lo and behold, we went out there and there was a few nosy neighbours creaking their necks. Down the street. Down yeah. the street. Who's clapping and who's not clapping? Oh, number 47's not clapping. The selfish guy, cow. The guy who's standing on the opposite road of his house and clapping on the other side of the road, just so he can see all his neighbours. Who's clapping the loudest? <laughs> yeah. Who's banging the pot? Oh, he's banging the pot. All right, he's putting his heart into it. Good for him. Like some sort of competition but yeah someone in this spirit of the blitz like everyone's clapping bashing pots and pans we're all in this together but unlike the spirit of the blitz it was artificial you know what i mean it's not like this just happened spontaneously no like the, the, something the, the beautiful, government the like, government almost like yeah here's what we're going to do yeah you know, like, there's that, like, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers concert where for the, the first time it was done, I'm sure they, they recreated it loads of times after, but there's there's one where the lead singer, he, like, takes off his sweatshirt or T-shirt, whatever, and starts swirling it round his head, and then everyone in the audience starts doing it. But it's a very oh, spontaneous kind that. of thing. Like, yeah. So say, for, for example, he started doing it, and he said, come on, everyone, get your shirts off, and directed people to do it. It's, like, a little different isn't it? The fact that it happens spontaneously is like, wow, what a moment. But when you're sort of being told to do this thing, let's give them not, a clap, yeah. It's not like everyone in London suddenly deciding they're not fleeing the country, they're staying right where they are. Like That's something that's come from the roots up. The, the government didn't make people think that no. or want to think that. They no. naturally felt that. It's not like, right, at this time, you're going <laughs> to decide this and go out and do that. We were told to do this, hmm. socially conditioned to do this. And if you didn't, you were a selfish person. What will the neighbours think? Exactly. And, like, it's just another way of, like, bringing things into this five-sense reality again, like a confirmation that something is happening. I've seen it with the masks, now I'm hearing it with the clapping. You know, and what's like everyone thinking while they're doing it? 
thinking of the brave nurses and doctors on the front line of the war zone hospitals. But we know now that the hospitals during that time were mainly empty. Well, they were, there was no one there. Well, they were empty enough for the NHS nurses to do dances and videos around and stuff. Yeah, you know. they were doing these like TikTok choreographed dance routines because everyone had cancelled all their appointments, consultations, operations. I wonder why they were dancing. Because yeah, they, they had to do what to do. So everyone else was <laughs> clapping them. They must have felt pretty guilty, a lot of them. I could imagine so. In fact, the worst part is I quite, like I said, I admire the work they do. In fact, the NHS workers, the workers that people work in hospitals, probably do deserve a clap for the last Yeah, right, yeah. They probably actually yeah, do yeah. deserve a clap. But yeah, every year. Well, not when they're emptier than ever. Empty, emptier than ever. And certainly, they don't, certainly don't need a clap if there's NHS workers that know about what's going on that are willingly yeah, right. going along with it. Well, I'm not clapping any of those well, that's the thing. It then puts them under weird sort of pressure because... They're being told at the same time, well, look, I know we're not busy now, but the wave's coming. It's going to come. So the wave. don't say anything. They're even talking about it now. Oh. Tidal wave of Omicron. When, when's this fucking wave coming? Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, Lord, spare me the, the, the It's sh- coming. Sh- Two years later, the waves, it's, it's really coming now. It's building up. I mean, it's just about made its way across the Atlantic. We'll be here soon, be here soon. <laughs> it must have put, like, the staff under a bit of pressure because they're sort of thinking... Well, everyone's out clapping me. You know, and as sort of time went on, the big tidal wave never really come and it really hadn't been that busy. Like, everyone was out clapping. I mean, I don't really want to say that we haven't been busy and actually been twiddling our thumbs and all the rest of it. You've already taken the applause. You know what I mean? Yeah. As if you want to be like, hey, everyone, I know you were clapping, but um, we really haven't been... Well, I haven't really been busy at all. I mean, Less busy than ever. I've been smoking. Jay's been outside updating his Facebook status. We've been doing dance routines, if I'm honest, and some of them are pretty good. You lot have been loving them and still not clocked that what's going on. But we feel a bit guilty. <laughs> like They're not going to... It's a, it's a clever way, isn't it? Yeah. Silencing them, in a sense, because it's like, well, you take the applause and then you try coming out and telling people what's really happening. You don't want to do that. It's like, and plus, like you said... They actually deserve an applause for all the hard work that they've done forever. So for once, they probably thought, oh, yeah, great. You know what I mean? I'm finally getting appreciated. But then once they've taken that gratitude and taken that applause, but know that actually the hospitals were far from war zones, they were more empty than they've ever been, that's a difficult thing for them to then express or kind of go back on. And it's like a recruiting tool. Like a, a call to join the COVID cult or something. You know what I mean? I mean, there's something quite like zombie-like about like, ooh, ooh, like seal-like. You know, seals clap, don't they? Like you're out just ooh, 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 <laughs> clapping whilst actually the hospitals are like... Nothing going on there. Nothing. It sounds like your TikTok dance routine. Like, Can you believe it? It's so crazy. And of course, yeah, now it's come to pass that the hospitals, they weren't war zones, far from it. They were practically empty. And so many nurses have spoken out now. And I'm sure when they fire these 120,000 nurses, they're going to create many more whistleblowers that are going to blow the lid on the rest of it. Yeah, God bless on each one of them nurses who do not have the jab. I congratulate you. Which tells you a lot, you know, why are those, those nurses are the, refusing this? Those are the nurses that I clap. Yeah, Hell why yeah. are they refusing this? People have got to ask themselves that. They work in the medical industry. Mm-hmm. They 
I would say, know more than most people. Well, if you think of medical background, I mean, come on, they, they, they're trained as nurses. They... And, like, they're not in it for the money, are oh, they? Well, hell no. Not, so not... why are they going to sacrifice a job that they love, a job that they probably feel like is in their blood? You know what I mean? Like, they were born to be a nurse and they really care about their job, care about their patients. Why are they going to walk away from that over nothing? Like they obviously feel very strongly about not taking this because they wouldn't throw their whole career away. Something that they've trained for. It's not like working a job at Sainsbury's, yeah, is it? And if you train to be a nurse, you, you train to be well, a nurse. It's not just you train to be a nurse, but you have to want to be a nurse as well. Yeah, of course you do. So it's not like a these you know, people, clock in, clock out yeah, kind of job. Is exactly. It? These people are walking away from not just yeah. a job. They're calling. They're, they're, it's a passion that they're going to be walking. Yeah. Be, it's a passion they're not they're walking away for. It's a passion they're going to told they will no longer have a position in if they don't give up a sovereign right of theirs, which is their right. Yeah. And so it's not like they're giving up their jobs. They're being put into a position where they no longer can do them. It's just such a shame about the whole thing because it's like, you know, the clapping sort of guilted and shamed the people that weren't joining in and weren't clapping, but then it also guilted and shamed the hospital staff because they had the nation clapping for them when they were sat in an empty hospital twiddling their thumbs. Well, that ambulance driver said that, didn't he? I think on one of the marches he said about, you know, uh, it was actually quite painful when I'm out driving around an ambulance with no one in it. And there's people out on a Thursday night clapping me, and I'm like... Ambulance drivers were told to drive around with the sirens on. You know, you'd be embarrassed. You'd be embarrassed if people were clapping for you. Especially if if you were... I I don't know how they felt. Not actually fucking doing anything. No wonder they were empty, because all the screenings and consultations have been cancelled, all the treatments and operations, and all the people with actual life-threatening diseases were all stopped from going to the hospital. Mm. And all the people that would have gone for a checkup, imagine to, like... Oh, you caught that lump just in time. Otherwise, this cancer could have gone malignant. Lucky you come here. All them people that we don't even know about yet. Yeah, exactly. Because they missed that vital trip to the doctors. Could you imagine how many people... You can't even measure this. No, the, the, oh, it's, it's unfathomable. I, yeah. mean, I mean, how many people turned up with a false positive test claiming they had a seriously or highly infectious illness that was completely untrue and that hospital staff whether it be a nurse or a doctor were forced into position whether they wanted to or not to have to stick them on a ventilator or have to put them on a bed for the night imagine how they have been put in this position even by just something like the pcr test walking into the hospital they can't even deal with people with brain tumors or aneurysms going off in their head oh we've got a long line of people who've just pulled out a test and it's got positive so I mean can you imagine if you were hospital staff you'd be losing your nut you'd be like I can't even help real people with real illnesses this is I've got to deal with all these positive COVID-19 which is which I don't think they look after them they look like there's nothing wrong with them yeah it's symptomatic I need urgent help I've noticed I've lost my sense of smell but then again I've had no sense of smell since 1977 anyway but it could be just delayed COVID-19 what do you think doctor I did do a big line of Charlie before I come in here as well that also might explain my no sense of smell. <laughs> but no, it's, I got a text during that time saying, do not come into the hospital unless you're dying, having a baby, or have COVID. Now, out of them three, two are pretty extremes. One is definitely not. And I was due to go into the hospital because I had my arm in a cast. I remember you said. And I needed to get an X-ray and for them to remove the cast. Well, I ended up having to just remove it by myself at home with no X-ray. 
and just kind of move it about like it feels all right you know i think it's fixed if it hadn't set properly that could have been quite could you, devastating could you imagine the moment it was you, okay. took, you took your cast off and the arm just flopped <laughs> oh god oh dear <laughs> you should be like i think i've got to go back to the hospital and get it recast let me just call them come in if you're pregnant dying or have covid god damn it no recasting for you mate you have to, you have to do paper mache at home <laughs> And, like, the hospitals as well, it's come to light that they have these cash incentives. So, like, in the US, and it's exactly the same in the UK and all over the place, regular pneumonia, they get a cash incentive of 4,600, but COVID-19 pneumonia, Mm 13,600. Same symptoms. Yeah. Exactly the same symptoms. But if you diagnose it as this, well, you get... Diagnose it, three times the amount of money. Diagnose it with a test that we know that doesn't work. Actually, test test for, for it. this virus. So it could just be pinging off any old bollocks. So yeah, yeah, a test that doesn't test for the actual virus. If it pings positive, you get this. And for putting a COVID nineteen patient on a ventilator, you get thirty nine thousand six hundred. Oh, you're going to want to put patients on ventilators then. And the thing is as well, yeah, I know this isn't going directly to doctors and nurses, but in a time where they've had no patients. And they want to keep things going. And they're saying, we need to get this cash in. And they will know this. They will know that oh, they-, they get X amount of cash for this and X amount of cash for that. It's like uh, doctors in America where they prescribe people well, certain drugs and they get well, it's money easy, from the pharmacy. It's easier in America because in America it's all done privately anyway. So it's even easier to work out. But it's still, even under a National Health Service, they still know how much they get in yeah, right. when someone comes and- in. They might not be like greedy, money hungry, like people in the sort of nurse, doctor, like lower in kind the part, of. The part but they might just think, well, it's good for the hospital. I mean, we want to keep the hospital going. But you've got to ask yourself, why in a real pandemic would you have to offer cash incentives? Mm-hmm. Imagine in a real pandemic, oh, and we give you X amount of cash for each positive. Could you imagine the testing centre? People wouldn't. Why? Even, people, why, why would you do it? Well, people wouldn't even get to the door. There'd be like just a line of dead people before someone got to the door at the front. There'd be more mountains of cash than people. <laughs> the media have had a dirty role to play in this whole thing as well. Key role. Such a key role. It's the media's job to scare the shit out of people. That's their job, and they do it well. I can't fault them there, to be honest. No. In terms of like fear porn, they do it pretty well. But we, we spoke about in the previous episodes, if the hospitals were really war zones in the UK, they would have shown us. You know, that's the business that they're in. If they could have shown us photos or videos of people on lines of ventilators and in COVID wards, they would have done. So you're only being told that there's war zone hospitals. Yeah. So you're just having to take their word for it. Now, we got a glimpse of the one in Italy that they showed us. No, it was the one in New York. Oh, no, <laughs> exactly, I, yeah. I see what you did. Yeah, <laughs> the one that, well, they tried to pass as being in New York, but it was actually Lombardi. But that, that's the only I'm surprised they didn't see your, uh, the surgeons with the moustaches. <laughs> but that's the only imprint we have of a war zone hospital because they've never showed us one here. In fact, the most that we've got is like, I've, I've like seen someone outside a hospital, like things are really heating up here and there's like, a line of empty ambulances and the odd ambulance going or something. Oh, That's no. the nearest you've got. Oh, emergency. Or your own first-hand experience. And there was even like a movement in the UK where, again, just like the Medazanam hashtag, there was hashtags that were trending like, where are all the sick people? 
Oh yeah, because people. That's one of my favourites. Because people were going around to hospitals and filming them and going to the test centres where no one was there, and this was like a barren wasteland. So in the next episode, we're going to talk about the dreaded jab. Yeah. The vaccine, which we haven't really touched on yet. We've been trying to avoid it. And we're going to talk about the new Omicron variant, as well as the global vaccine rollout and vaccine mandates, the effects of the jab and the type of people that have been blowing the lid on what's going on with the vaccine from Mike Eden to Robert Malone. Yeah, long may they continue. The inventor of the RNA technology, which we'll be delving into as well. Mm -hmm. And all this other mad scientist, synthetic Dr. Frankenstein madness to come. I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Schism. We've got plenty more episodes on the way. In the meantime, follow us on our Instagram at schism.tv and keep watching the skies. Thank you.